solutions to the broken lead us to surrender we will go send us to the nations to the broken lead us to surrender we
Would you take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We've already had a lot this morning. You know, sometimes when, we've, when, uh, when we're at a restaurant, we have hors d'oeuvres or appetizers. And sometimes the appetizers and the hors d'oeuvres are so good, they're kind of like the meal, aren't they? But then, because we are who we are, which is foodies, we go on to the main course, and then we eat the main course, and then we find out that halfway through that we've eaten too much. And it kind of spoils the experience. Well, I don't want to spoil ex the experience this morning by doing too much when we've already had so much good food. May the Lord be my helper. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 13, and I'm going to read this. You can follow along, please. And this is, of course... The Apostle Paul writing, and now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but not love, I am an, only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it, it, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. But rejoices with the truth. That was Jerry's message last week. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Verse 8. And get ready to say hallelujah. Love never fails. Well done. Right on time. Love never fails. Which means that if you're trusting something, trust his love because it will not fail you. Amen? But where there are prophecies and there will be prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, and we speak in tongues, we're a tongue-speaking people, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away, for we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. You can go home and think about that. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, however, I will add, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see, but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face 
to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now, these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. Now, I don't know about you, what you were thinking, but perhaps you might have been saying to yourself as I asked you to turn to 1 Corinthians 13, that you were saying to yourself, what does the most popular Bible verse read at a wedding have to do with Mission Sunday? I don't know about in Grace Assemblies, but nearly every wedding I've been to for the last 30 years, this is the, this is the chapter, this is the chapter and verse that gets read. And it gets read so much at weddings, sometimes we forget that the love in this chapter is not a love between a man and a woman, but God's love to us. And though even that, that's the kind of love we want in every relationship, this is speaking of something that's perfect, something that's holy, that when faith and hope and love are the only things that remain, the greatest of those three is love. And so what does love, what on earth and what in heaven does love have to do with mission? That's the question. If, we, if you recall a few Sundays ago, and it was only just a few Sundays ago, Resurrection Sunday, I spoke on John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. That passage, if you recall what I said about it, is that for years I thought it was speaking primarily about Jesus, but John 3.16 is primarily about the Father. That God so loved that he did something. And what he did was that he so loved the world that he sent his son to die so the father could be restored in relationship with us. Amen? Way back there, there was an amen. Give that woman an extra chocolate bar. (laughs) In order for us to really understand God's heart for the nations, we need to understand his love. You know, so much of missions is once there's a hand that goes up and we've got a human volunteer to go, so much of what we do is organizational. It's ministration, it's money, it's passports, it's, a, you know, it's a getting inoculations, it's about planning this and planning that and the curriculum you're going to use and the team you're going to have and who's going to meet you at the airport when you get there. So much of missions is then a push in the natural to get into that place for a spiritual moment. And if we move in that process without love, if somehow it is not love that is the motivation of our call, our response to go, then it is possible for us to get into a place, be positioned for God to do something, but not bring the love of God. Love is God's motivation for sending his son, and it remains to be the motivation, the number one motivation why we should go. 
Look at the person beside you if you can. Look at the person behind you if you can. And ask yourself, do you really love them? You know, when I ask you to stand up every morning and greet one another, or at the end of a meeting, I say, I'll often say, those of you who have been tracking with me, I'll say, find somebody in the place that you like. Because it's rare that there are a lot of people in one place that we can say we honestly love. But yet, when you go to the nations, it's not the going that releases God to them. It's not the going that takes the gospel to them. What takes the gospel to them, what impacts their heart, is a supernatural love that comes through you when you meet them face to face. When you meet them face to face. Without love, we have nothing. We have program, we have event, we have agenda. But without love, we can get ourselves there, people. But without love, we have nothing. We're a noise in the ears of the Lord. And so this morning, I want to just take a few minutes, and I promise a few minutes, to really focus on God's heart, not our heart. Not our heart. God's heart for the nations, for all peoples, tribes, and tongues. Because to be sent in, in Jesus' name and to be truly effective for the sake of the kingdom, then we need a supernatural love which is beyond any love that we can muster from our own hearts. Amen? John chapter 17, if you want to turn there. John 17. The Gospel of John chapter 17, verse 20 to 23. Let me read it for you. My prayer... This is Jesus' prayer for all believers. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. That all of them might be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that, and I love the so that's, I always circle them in my Bible because they're about to tell me why he's doing it. So that the world may believe that you sent me. This ties right back to John 3.16. God so loved the world. Jesus here is now praying for the world. It's missions talk. It's an expression of the heart of God. That the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be brought to complete what? Unity. You know, we may be together in this place today, but the question is, are we one in him? Are we unified? Is there a holy unity that brings us together where there are no longer factions? There's no longer a separation through either theology or political agenda, but we come into a unity because we are one in Christ in the Father. And so here, Jesus praying, praying for his disciples, but praying for all believers that are yet to come. And clearly, he expresses the heart of the Father, the love of the Father to the world 
that all people from all nations, tribes and tongues will come in to the house of the Lord. And there in that place together we will be one. Mark chapter 16, if you could flip there please. Mark chapter 16 verses 15 to 16. Just a few verses from Mark. Jesus said, he said to them, go into parts of the world. Wait, wait, hang on, I got that wrong. Go into all the world. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. That's a hard word to read. But yet, we need to have the full truth, the full gospel. And these, indeed, are the word of Jesus. He sends us. He speaks that word of going. It's a motivating word. It's a sending word. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. You know, let me just share something with you. The hardest task on preaching on Mission Sunday is to come up with a message you've never heard before. And right now, some of you are thinking to yourselves, we've heard this all before, we're a missions church, we're already doing this, what's new in this? What's new in this is what's going to be refreshed in your heart. Because today, it's not about the agenda of going, it is about God's love. And if his love has not been made perfect in your heart, then your reason for going will be something other, something other than what God has in mind. Perfect love casts out all fear. And so if you're not, if, you're, if your heart is not absent from fear, then fear will be the motivator even in the going. It comes, brings us back to doing something, volunteering out of a sense of duty or responsibility without hearing from God yourself and out of this incredible appreciation for his love and what he's done in your life, his mercy, that you say, here I am, take me. And so Jesus came to earth to reveal the Father, to reveal his glory. And in this, he reveals the Father's heart for all peoples, for the world, for every nation, for every nation, that it is heart that all would come in and be saved. A couple more verses, Matthew 24. One verse, you don't have to turn there, I'll read it for you. Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached. It will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Well, the end hasn't come yet. What does that mean? There's more preaching to be done. There's more nations we need to go to. There are no more people that need to hear the presentation of the gospel so that they can respond to the love of God. 
You know, over the years, and it's been 40, 40 over years for me in ministry, it seems to me, remember when we used to talk about the 1040 window? Right here in Malaysia, we're in the 1040 window. Nobody talks about the 1040 window anymore. I remember back in, what was it, the 70s or 80s when the 1040 window thing came out. We had meetings and concerts of prayer, and it was missions this and missions that. We were all excited. And so 40 over years, I'm thinking, haven't we got it done yet? Surely the end should be coming anytime soon. I've got it in my calendar. But yet, here we are, the church on earth, well established. The mission has not been completed. And if there was ever a time for us to rise to the call of missions, it's now. However, it's not to send not one single person because we need somebody to volunteer. What we need is the people to run forward before the response, before the call, and say, please, 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 send me, I want to go. Matthew 28. And you can turn there, please. Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20. I'm hearing a holy hush this morning. I hope it's a good hush. The Lord is here. You've called on his name this morning. He wants to touch your heart. He wants to touch that place that you've reserved for yourself. He wants to touch those things that you still own and haven't been given over to him. He wants to touch things in your heart that are bound by bitterness, that are bound by criticism, that are bound by your own hurt and your own woundedness. He wants to touch it. That's why we sang Healy Rain this morning, because I believe the heart of the Father, the love of God is released as our hearts are healed. It is totally possible for us to be saved. We've had that moment of the cross. We've looked at Jesus. We've recognized him to be the Son of God, the Savior, our atoning sacrifice. Through repentance and faith, we put our trust in him, and we can sit in a congregation like this, but still have not forgiven those we need to forgive. So God is here right now. You've invited him to come. We've acknowledged together that the Holy Spirit is here. God wants to touch your heart this morning. God wants to touch your heart this morning. Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore, therefore, stay. Wait, wait, hang on, hang on. Hey, wait, 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 just a minute. Therefore, go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And he's just commanded them to go. So one of the first things we teach people is to follow Jesus. And if you follow Jesus, it will never be staying. It will always be going. Even if you stay here, it's because God has called you to stay here. 
Let me put a little pause on this just for a minute here, okay? The most important thing, let's, let's forget our idea of missions for, for a moment. The most important thing as believers, as followers of Jesus, is to give our lives to him, right? And say, here I am, Lord. Use me. I want to follow you. I lay down my life. I pick up my cross and I follow you. And so in that, you begin to lay down all the things in your life, your career, your ambitions, your hopes, your dreams, your educations. You place your, your hopes for marriage on, on the altar. And if you're married, you lay your, you know, hopefully your husband and wife, husband and wife come into agreement and they lay their marriage on the altar. They lay their family on their altar so that nothing would stop. Uh, grandma and grandpa, mom and dad, that nothing would stop from following Jesus. We would not turn back for any reason. And in those moments, what we need to do is we need to say, here I am, here I am in Malaysia, PJ, Klang, Kuala Lumpur, wherever it is, the place. And you have to at least put this before the Lord for a moment to say, Lord, is this the place I'm supposed to be? Is this the place I'm supposed to be? And for some of us, the Lord speaks to us right away and says, no, I'm sending you to the nations. And if you really want to go to the nations, that's a good day. If you don't want to go to the nations, you go, oh. But for some of you, God will say, either say nothing at first, or he will say, no, you're in the right place. You can stay here. And there are some of you, and I know this to be true in my own life, there are some of you when God says you don't have to go, you say, thank you, Jesus. Whew, I got through that one. And then you lock it in for the rest of your life. Like he speaks to you when you're 17, and when you get to 63 like me, you're still saying, no, you said, wait back there, I can stay here. This is the place I can stay. Following Jesus means that every day you wake up and say, anytime, anywhere, no matter the cost, here I am, Lord, send me. It's not locking into something because it's your preference. It's that you hold on to these things lightly. Let me share something very quickly before I get back to the text here. If you are praying today, Lord, send me to the nations, is there any place that you want me to be? If God calls you to go, then, 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 then say yes. If God calls you to stay, if he says, no, stay in your job, stay in your career, stay in your occupation, stay in the marketplace. If God calls you to stay, then stay. But I will say this, it's always easier to stay than it is to go. And so be sure that you've heard the voice of the Lord. God is looking for those who are not saying, this is where I want to go. He's looking for those who say, I will go anywhere you send me. And so Jesus said, go. Go. Go and make disciples of all nations. It doesn't say, go and get people saved. We got any evangelists here in the crowd this morning? Right? I've known some amazing men and women, great evangelists, who also have pastoral hearts, who really care for the sheep as well. But there's kind of another group of evangelists that once they get somebody saved, they're not interested in you anymore. Get you saved next. In fact, I knew a pastor back home in Canada who was an evangelist who somehow got put in the position of pastoring a church. 
And everybody in his church was saved, but every Sunday he would call them, he would do an altar call for salvation because that was his gift. The only problem was that everybody was always saved. And so people came forward just to help him out, <laughs> make him feel good. You know, they come down to the front for prayer and things like that. But at the end of the day, you, we don't get saved again and again and again. No, in this passage, in this text, it's very clear. Jesus was saying, make disciples of all nations. It begins with salvation. It begins with the cleaning of both the spirit man and also the physical man. As, as the mercy ministries of grace assemblies, community ministries, services have been that you wash them, you clean them, you take the lice out of their hair, you band up their, their wounds, you feed them a meal, you give them medicine, whatever. You care for the physical man and woman, but you also clean and heal the spiritual man and woman. And then you begin to teach them of his ways, that they may walk in his paths, and that together as one, we come into that holy place that the Lord is calling us to, his holy temple. Amen? And so, it is clear for us and for a missions church, and I'm telling you what you already know and are already doing, that the mandate upon the church is to go. If there is one first apostle in Scripture. Is it Peter? Is it Paul? Is it James? Is it John? No, it's Jesus. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And here, and continues to say to us today by the Spirit, go. It is about not a mission, but the mission of glorifying the Father and the nations through Jesus and bringing salvation, that all might come in, that all might be the disciples of the Lord. And so, on Mission Sunday, I believe there needs to be a response. On Mission Sunday, I believe, even though we're active in missions, and I love that pie chart that you brought up, Pastor Stansel, I have a million questions now I want to ask you after the service. that requires a response even still, because missions, first and foremost, is an issue of the heart. Before you go anywhere, before you call up your travel agent, before you renew your passport, before, before you start to buy the clothes that you need to survive in Malaysia, wait, you've got them, we had to buy them. Before you do anything, the missions is an issue of the heart, and if we're active in missions, then we need to, on this Sunday especially, take a moment and say, what are the motivations for us to be in missions? Because it's not simply an agreement in our heads. It has to be the reality of what we've received from the Lord in an expression of thanksgiving for His great love that He has shown us. And so, let me put some words into your mouth. Let me help you, if I can. A prayer that I've been praying, Jane and I, my wife and I have been praying for years now. I'm not sure where it came from. I'd love to say that it came from me, you know, like I'm quoting myself here. 
that I'm sure I heard it from somewhere else, but it's a prayer that we've prayed so often over the years that now it is our prayer. It's the prayer of our heart. And we pray it regularly, and it's simply this. Anytime, anywhere, no matter the cost, here I am. Send me. Now, for those of you who are taking notes, I'm going to say it again. Anytime, anywhere, no matter the cost, here I am for Samuel, right? Like that youth camp that's coming up. Samuel said, or said, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Here I am. Send me. I believe that that prayer is the prayer that God is waiting for us to pray. I believe that that is the right response to pray that prayer. To be able to give our lives. It, it, it is an expression of giving ourselves to God in all things, in all ways, so that then he might use us for advancing his kingdom upon the earth. But let's talk about that prayer. In the few minutes I have left, let, left let's talk a little bit more about that prayer. So the first thing is any time, any time. Time is precious to us. In this modern age particularly, time is very valuable. For people, people are busy people. We're always looking for more time. We're always trying to find a moment that we can grab, especially when time seems to gotten away on us, time. So the first thing is offering to the Lord a sacrifice that's holy and pleasing to him. And I, t I think our time is a sacrifice. Time is valuable. And so when you say, I'm going to give my time to you, Lord, any time, when it's done from a right heart, you're actually, that's the first step towards making a sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to the Lord. That's holy and pleasing to the Lord. And so any time, his time, not your time. His time, not your time. If I'm not careful, when I say to God any time, what I end up saying to God is, I will schedule, schedule you in this month. I will make room for you in my calendar. Anybody wiggling in your seat right now? Right? I'll fit you in. We'll make an appointment, Jesus. You know? Even to the point where it's been not right now, I can't pray fast and come into your presence because I'm busy. La. No, ah. Anytime we have to be sure that when we're offering our time to God, it is not simply a portion of our time. It's like offering the least of the meat to the Lord and keeping the fatty portions for yourself. How can we say we're serving the Lord when really what we're doing is we're just saying, I have apportioned a tithe of my time unto the Lord, and what is left, the 90% is 
The Lord is good. The Lord is gracious. He wants you to have recreational time. He wants you to have time with your family. He wants you to have time of joy. He wants you to have time of freedom. He wants you to have unscheduled time. Giving your time to the Lord doesn't mean that all of a sudden that you're just like this machine for his glory. Just busy, busy, busy all the time. Nothing comes out of striving. It comes out of rest. Jesus even said to his own disciples, come away with me for a little while. Come to a quiet place. Giving our time to God doesn't mean we're forever in a day we're going to be super busy. It means that he gets to decide. And it comes not underneath his rule in our lives as Savior. It comes under his rule as Lord in our lives. And so the first one is time. And of course, we know that God's time is perfect. Amen? God's time is perfect, but it's perfect for God and not necessarily for us. Do you know, to tell you the truth, there's lots of times when I feel that when God has shown up, it's inconvenienced me. Hello, anybody out there? Oh, there are people out there. Look at that. It's inconvenienced me. It's funny, the day I... The day I pray or the day you pray God any time and he doesn't speak. It's like when I started to use WhatsApp since I've been here in Malaysia. And I write this long, because I'm old school. I say, you know, I say, dear Pastor Stancil, this is WhatsApp. I haven't gotten into the, the you know, the chopped kind of you and R and this and thanks TQ and all that stuff. So I write this long letter, you know, and then I get, I get it back from Pastor Stancil. I'm waiting for this huge response and he goes, noted. Okay, all right, I get it. Break off the rejection. <laughs> so often when we say to the Lord, any time, and he says, noted. And on a day when you're busy and you've got plans for your life and it's all in concrete, then God shows up and he says, remember that prayer you made? I'm going to take you up on your offer and now I want your time. And you got, not now. This isn't what I meant at the time. I had lots of time when I prayed that prayer. I was feeling inspired. I was having a faith moment. I felt it at that moment, but I don't feel it now. He says, it doesn't matter. You said it. I heard the sincerity of your heart, and I'm taking you up on your word. God's timing is perfect. It's perfect for him. It may not be for you, but it becomes perfect for you when he's Lord over your life. Anytime, anywhere. Anytime, anywhere. Who's got a bucket list? You know what a bucket list is? Right? It's all the places that you want to go one day when you're retired. Right? The mortgage is paid off and the kids' education has been paid off and you've paid this off and you've got money in the bank and you think, finally, I get to go to Canada. All right. All right. I might not be there because I'll be in the nations, but... No. It's so easy for us when we approach the idea of missions, when we pray that prayer anywhere, we've got some places in mind. I'd like to go to Hawaii. Lord, send me. I'm sure they all need to get saved in Hawaii. 
I'm not saying, I, I don't want you to become legal, I don't want you to understand this legalistically, but I have found as a general rule, not always, the rule is broken, but often the places that I don't want to go to are the places that God sends me. Right? So I have started to pray, I hate Hawaii, I don't want to go to Hawaii, don't send me to Hawaii. By the way, I love Malaysia. <laughs> Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Anywhere means that it's the place that he chooses. It's the place that he chooses. And in that moment, you find great joy, not because it's the place you wanted to go, but because he's chosen you, and he's saying, this is the place of destiny for your life where I'm going to reveal myself to many. And that is a wonderful thing. Let me tell you a quick story. Very quick story. The first time my wife and I were called to New Zealand as a family back in 95. Thank you, Jane. In 95, we were in New Zealand. We were living in Auckland. And I got an email one morning, you know, bing, you got mail. And I checked the mail, and it was from a pastor that I had never met in Yokohama, Japan, an American missionary church planter. And he, over the years, had given himself to ministry in Japan. And he was planning a conference, a big conference, in that he wanted four, that's right, four uh, guest no, uh, keynote speakers. And I don't know where he got my name. I was shocked. I'd never met the guy before, but, but he... You know, through that chain of reference, he contacted me and said, we've got three speakers, we want more, one more, would you consider coming? And because it was an email and not a phone call, I had time to think, and I called Jane and I said, look at this, I'm being invited to do a conference in Yokohama, Japan. I had never been to Japan, I never thought of Japan, Japan wasn't on my, you know, it wasn't in my uh, field of vision. And I looked at it and I said to her, what do you think? And she said, well, and I said, no, nah, I don't want to go to Japan. That was, my, that was my response. I don't want to go to Japan. It's not a place. I, I've, got, I've got places in mind I want to go. Malaysia. <laughs> but I don't want to go to Japan. And my wife being my wife, quietly said, well, don't you think you should pray about it? <laughs> okay. Okay, I'll pray. Pray. You know what God said? That's all. And I understood that God said, so I went to Japan, long story short, I was there for two weeks, had this awesome time, powerful time, God coming, moving by his spirit with these other three guys, it was fantastic, got back on the plane, flew back to Auckland, Jane was there with the kids, met me at the airport on the car on the way home, she said, so how was it, this was before we had the communications that we do today. How was it? How was, and I said, look, it was great. It was fantastic. But Japan, nice place to visit, but you wouldn't want to live there. And certainly, you would never want to raise your kids there. Little did I know that two years later that our whole family was living in Japan. 
Since then, we had that first year in Yokohama, then we went back in early 2000 to plant a church in Makuhari, which is on Tokyo Bay, and then from 2015 to 2018, we spent three years in downtown Metro Tokyo. Over the years of coming and going from Japan, because that's the place that the, the Lord, one of the places that the Lord sent us to go anywhere, anywhere, the place that was not on my list, that it took me several years before I had a love for the people. There are sometimes that God calls you to go, you go in obedience, but it takes time for you to have a real love for the people. But you know, even the hardest places to go to and what seems like the hardest people to minister to, God will give you love for them, amen? And so, anywhere, God picks the place. It may not be on your bucket list, but it will become a place of great joy for you because you will know, well, that's the place where his destiny and purpose will be fulfilled through your life. Anytime, anywhere, no matter the cost, no matter the cost, money, time, education, when we think about cost, preparations, training, saying goodbye to family, friends, career goals, career aspirations, career benefits, the cost for the whole family no matter the cost. You know, the focus this morning was on money, and we need money, right? I, I did think earlier I might get up here and say, God doesn't need your money, but then Pastor Stansel would be really angry with me. But God doesn't need your money. We need the money in order to do what we need to do. But you know, it's not money that primarily represents the cost. It's a cost to you. It's what you give up. It's opportunity. It's the ambitions of career, of, of future, of family. You sign over the rights to your life, believing that what God has for you is better than what you've got planned for yourself. You sign over your gifts, your health, your strength, your education, your intelligence. You sign over the right to those things. That becomes the cost, and then it's it's enough when I say, I'll pay the cost, and then I drag my wife into it and say, honey, you're going to have to pay the cost too. And she says, oh, okay then. But she does it because she's heard from the Lord. But then, as a family, you dare to bring your kids into a place where you now have to believe that they will not suffer because of the call upon your life. And some of the places in the world are not the best places to take children and to raise families. That's the cost. And if God has called you, then it's going to require a faith, not only that he's going to provide, but that he's going to cover you and your family in that cost. That he will be faithful to provide for you long and beyond the money that you need. And that he will provide for you in such a way that you will prosper in all things in a place, even if it is a land of famine. Anytime, anywhere, no matter the cost. And finally, here I am, here I am, send me. A sincere heart, a genuine heart, God hears. I believe when we pray this prayer sincerely, genuinely, perhaps not understanding exactly what it is we're getting ourselves into, right? 
Because it's kind of in retrospect, we think, if I had ever realized that, I would never have prayed that prayer. But when, when we are sincere and we are genuine before the Lord, He receives that noted. And then He comes and reminds us of our offer to Him that He's received, and He says, it's time to go. Whether it's here to the marketplace right here in this area, or it's to one of the nations on the other side of the earth. Your, your being in a place is about Him sending you for the destiny and purpose of God that He has planned for your life. Let me just finish with this. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19 to 21, and I'll just read it quickly. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. This is about Elijah and Elisha. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, that is Elisha. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Verse 20, Elisha then left his oxen and ran to Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burnt the plow, uh, plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. When Elisha received the call from God through, through Elijah... His response to the call was to take his livelihood, his career, his vocation, his trade, the way that he provided for himself, provided for his family, and to destroy it. He killed the oxen. He needed the oxen to do what he was doing. He took the plow. He turned it into fire. He burnt it. He cooked the meat. His last act with provision of, a, of the previous season would be to feed others. But then there were, he had burnt his bridge. There was no going back. The only way was forward. Anytime, anywhere, no matter the cost, here I am, God, send me. When you hear the call, when you hear the call, Turn your back on the past. Move forward in the call of God. Don't have a B plan. Go forward with the plan of God for your life. Let go what has been manna for you in the wilderness and believe that when you cross over into the promised land that you'll begin to eat of new resource and new supply.